Hello and welcome to Kernel of Truth, an open networking infrastructure podcast. I'm your host, Rupa. And I'm Rama. On today's episode, we have Nikola Kamchatsky, who is leading the MLOps strategy here at NVIDIA. Nico helps workflows that can aid both developers and system operators to implement a full ML production lifecycle. We'll be talking to Nico about defining a good MLOps workflow and how MLOps can intersect with the net DevOps workflow specific to the networking infrastructure industry. Thank you for joining us today, Nico. Thank you, Rama. Thank you, Rupa. Very happy to be here. So, Nico, I wanted to start off with some baseline definitions so we're all on the same page, you know. Uh, you know, five, six years ago when Net DevOps first came out, I think the networking industry was really bent around the idea of what does it even mean, right? What does it mean to be Net DevOps? So when we talk about MLOps, most people probably see that as just updating an AI system with new training data. This interpretation can be myopic, right? Because as MLOps is a much broader topic. Can you explain to us how we should be thinking about MLOps and what actually defines MLOps? Absolutely. So first, you, you are right that uh, there is a lot of different definitions of MLOps around here. And I remember when I had to define the strategy at NVIDIA for MLOps and how we approach it, I, I, I looked around and I saw different approaches, right, from cloud service providers, from startups, and so on and so forth. And everybody has their own way of defining it. And one of the reasons is that because this is this adds value to any kind of machine learning tools that is being pushed out there. So people like this being attached to MLOps. But the way we define it here and we approach it is first, MLOps requires an end-to-end development pipeline for machine learning that goes from ingesting data on a continuous basis. That means data is flowing all the time, right, inside the system not just let's say let's pick one data set and then iterate on it it's always flowing so examples could be uh, twitter for example is collecting events from their users all the time and processing it and then it flows to through the, through the machine learning pipeline same for autonomous vehicles where data comes from the road at, at all times and it keeps growing and growing and growing and so this is the first condition of mlops and then the idea of mlops is to say that this is a continuous pipeline that is as automated as possible and delivers from this ingestion to data uh, curation, labeling, training, evaluation, deployment, and then production until it goes back into the beginning of the pipeline. So it's some kind of a loop like this that goes on and on and on and is as automated as possible. So these are, this is kind of like the definition of MLOps and what it means. It's not, it's not nothing magical it's not a platform it's not tool of, of course tools are required but mlops is a culture and a practice which is why it makes it as difficult to define because it has an impact throughout an entire organization and and, and in the way people work instead of just being something very tangible that people can 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 own or you know put in their hands or at, at the tip of their fingers so yeah this is pretty much it that's a wonderful explanation i really like the idea of MLOps being continuous, it almost um, brings an, uh, or 
a parallel between ML ops and the way that human learning is done, right? It's not like you go out, you go to a, you know, a class and then you have to go home, sleep and then wake up. And then all of a sudden you learned all the contents in the class. You're learning dynamically as it goes, right? As constant stimuli comes in, you're constantly retraining yourself and learning new things. So that's, that's very cool and interesting. Very iterative, right? Unlike the other DevOps cycles, I guess. That DevOps has more iterations and continuous data flowing in. Exactly, Rupa, right? And and this is where it's a little bit more interesting because um, components of net DevOps can be considered uh, iterative, right, um, rather than continuous. But I do see parallels between net DevOps and MLOps, as I would define as the culture and practice of an you know, automating networking production life cycles that unifies networking architecture and networking operations, right? So Net DevOps tries to bring traditional DevOps workflows of rapid changes, validation, infrastructure of code and automation into the networking diaspora. So adopting Net DevOps culture is normally characterized by infrastructure as code, automation and validation. Um, what defines ML ops culture? That's a really good question. Up for debate in the community still, but there are some dimensions and some trends that everybody would agree uh, with. I think you mentioned um, the you, infrastructure and operations coming together. Um, there is also something to that extent in uh, ML ops. Uh, what that means is that data scientists. Uh, machine learning or like systems engineers, data engineers come together uh, from the low level parts of the infrastructure up to really like reinforcement learning, research, right, algorithm in order to operate an end-to-end -end pipeline. And so often uh, this is what happens in, uh, in industry that are trying to adopt machine learning or companies that are trying to adopt machine learning for the first time. They have siloed teams with specific skill sets. And those teams naturally um, take over certain pieces of the pipeline and then have uh, APIs between them, human APIs, not automated APIs. And so they have to communicate and they have to understand each other. And so at the beginning, this is very, very painful and difficult. Same in the past with the DevOps culture. Before the DevOps culture, it was like this relationship between developers and then the operation team. And there was always like this wall between the two, which uh, uh, incentivized the wrong uh, behavior. And I think it's the same here. Trying to group those people together, get them to work as one team, share as much context as possible, and own the entire pipeline together. So that's one, right? And that's that's the part that is often very difficult, the organizational part. Another part that's very important is automation. So MLOps is mostly, I mean, a lot about data, right? Like the, the way the data flows through the system from ingestion to uh, deployment to production and, and then production run. And of course, uh, that data, that data flowing uh, is processed by large scale pipelines, right? That can be parallelized or, you know, just large scale multi node training on GPU and so on and so forth. And so, right. So MLOps is a lot about the, the data and the data pipelines that flow through. So there are. We can look at this pipeline. That's one of the distinctions that's major in MLOps compared to other forms of DevOps or net DevOps practices is the amount of data that flows through. So 
at ingestion, uh, data needs to be processed. And then for labeling, data needs to be processed and, well, of course, labeled by humans. And it needs to flow through the model and be trained. And then evaluate, the system needs to be evaluated and so on and so forth. All of this requires a lot of uh, automation. And so this automation comes from the fact that these single workflows need to be scaled and uh, adjusted to receiving more and more data stable with high availability, high SLA, and so on and so forth. And then this workflow uh, that process that data needs to be stitched together as much as possible such that the entire workflow can be uh, automated end-to-end, right? So that's one uh, one big part of the MLOps, uh, MLOps culture and practice. So another part of the MLOps uh, culture and practice is the ability to monitor the, the pipeline. So this is very common to form in a DevOps culture and practice and, and net DevOps culture and practice, but monitoring this pipeline with the right information uh, that can be that can be configured and understood is critical to being able to actually improve the pipeline. And so this uh, tight feedback uh, loop that improves the MLOps pipeline is what guides the actual improvement of the production system in the end. And so getting into a, into a system where this feedback loop exists via configuration and monitoring is really key to a successful MLOps pipeline. So what are the components of an MLOps data pipeline? Um, I'm talk- I want to understand a little more about the, the ETL tools maybe or data transformation pipelines. Can you elaborate on that a little bit, like what frameworks and so on? Absolutely. The MLOps pipeline, uh, the way we, we view the MLOps pipeline uh, at NVIDIA and specifically in the autonomous vehicles team here, Drive AV, is uh, this series of steps. So I'm just going to summarize to make sure that we are all on the same page, but it starts with what we call data ingestion or data, data acquisition. Um, actually, data acquisition, then data ingestion. So data acquisition is the system that generates more data, uh, you know, gathers data, right? Like it could be raw data, it could be even mm-hmm. click from application. And then it goes into ingestion. The ingestion process is critical because this is the process that transforms all that raw data into something that is consumable uh, to, by the entire MLOps pipeline, right? So it puts it into a format that makes sense, that is more like queryable. It augments it. It makes sure that the data is, is valid and, and so on and so forth. So this is one critical piece that often people don't associate with the MLOps pipeline, but it's an integral part of it. After this part, there is what we call the curation, which is the part where we have like massive amounts of data that are available to us, indexed and so on and so forth. However, we only need a subset of it to be able to train the models, to evaluate the models, to debug uh, the models, like create data sets for regression testing and so on and so forth. And so this step that we call curation uh, consists in reducing the size and only picking up the relevant data. So in the case of AV, autonomous vehicles, for example, it means maybe performing uh, active learning, which is trying to pick the most relevant frames in a, in, a, in a session, in a video, right? That's an example. After curation, once we have data sets that are constituted and that, that we want to we wanna use for, for all those tasks downstream, uh, labeling comes in. So in some cases, labeling is very automated. For example, recommendation systems, which is, you know, for example, did the user click on that tweet or not? So all of these already exist. No work needs to be done. But in the case of AV, for example, or other computer vision or speech, for example, 
um, this data needs to be labeled, right? So this data set go through labeling, which means a labeling platform. And then we go to, uh, to training after that. So we are more familiar with that, right? For training, we require like pretty heavy infrastructure, typically uh, deep learning framework in the case of computer vision and other systems that require deep learning, uh, potentially tooling <coughs> like, yeah, machine learning tooling like XGBoost, you know, or scikit-learn, things like that. Um, evaluation comes in after uh, the evaluating the model specifically and an evaluation of the system, which means that we take those models we and we use them in a broader system. This is one of the hardest part because you, this is where the interaction between this machine learning specific development and the broader development comes in, right? This is where there's a, the most friction usually. And so this system also needs to be evaluated statistically. And finally, uh, we go to develop, deployment. So deployment is all about uh, developing to production, which could be a um, bunch of uh, services right in the cloud or could be deploying at the edge in a car, for example. So this is the, the overall pipeline. I know it's a lot of information, but it is important to understand that in order to understand the types of tooling that we use. In order to do all of this, it is important to have to do all of this effectively. It is important to have a unified infrastructure, right? Specifically, it would be helpful for the iteration speed of that pipeline and for the value of each iteration on that pipeline to use different compute systems, for example. So this is one of the things that has evolved in the MLOps industry, uh, but basically the ability to use compute systems to you know, scale uh, pieces of compute or do multi-node training and so on as a proliferative. One example of that is workflow system. So maybe you've heard about Airflow or Argo or Kubeflow pipelines, for example. These are examples of tools that companies are using to automate and be able to unify the way compute is, uh, is used throughout the MLOps pipeline. Um, another piece of uh, another piece of platform that is critical is the data platform. It is critical to have all data flow through similar APIs and offer a single source of truth. The reason for that is to be able to query information that is joinable across the entire pipeline and offer information that is relevant across the entire pipeline. So to give an example, I, as, a, as a developer on this pipeline, I may be interested in looking at the quality of the data when it was ingested, but also the results of the metrics of my models, right, as linked to the quality of the data, for example. So this would tie two completely different parts of the pipeline. And if I don't have a unified data platform, basically, it becomes really difficult to, to gain insight and improve my pipeline. Examples of those tools would be, I mean, those platforms would be uh, Databricks, for example, like, like the, they call the Delta Lake. That would be an example. Of course, we have our own at NVIDIA. And then on top of that, yes, like then we are talking about various types of services like labeling and so on and so forth. So some startups offer uh, labeling as a service, right? <laughs> like scale.ai, for example. Um, we are talking about, uh, we are talking about training. So potentially accessing compute and cloud service provider, GCP, AWS, Azure, um, or others, right? Uh, or like on-premise clusters and so on and so forth. We're talking about Kubernetes to be able to deploy all the services required to manage this entire system. Uh, we are talking about system of uh, <coughs> monitoring, such as like Grafana, right? So on and so forth that can be, uh, that can be used as well. So 
a massive amount of tools and what makes it difficult uh, compared to maybe previous XOps generations is that it goes really from the lower level hardware infrastructure, including network, to the highest level of machine learning tooling like PyTorch and TensorFlow, right? And so there has to be a harmony between all of this in order to deliver a proper MLOps pipeline. Interesting, yeah, a lot of pieces in from the MLOps pipeline to something like infrastructure, DevOps, Kubernetes, scheduling your MLOps jobs to the network and you know GPUs and infrastructure. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm actually absolutely floored by the number of tools and how many individual components there are. Uh, it feels very daunting when you first start off to look at it, but I think you broke it down into nice little sections. Um, the areas that I really honed in on is um, really the focus on data, right? The ingestion of data, the curation of it, uh, the deployment of it. And when you're talking about a continuous flow of data, uh, I, my mind immediately goes to the infrastructure needs and how demanding that free flow of continuous data can be on the infrastructure, right? So when working with MLOps, I'd love to know where it intersects with NetDevOps specifically because it feels like infrastructure is such a critical component of making MLOps successful, right? So I assume that the workflow cannot exist in only in the software and development space. At some point, the MLOps pipeline must interact with the physical infrastructure, whether that's the ingestion of raw data or the deployment of you know, the model into production, into the cloud, as you said, or onto the edge. Uh, can you give us an example of how MLOps and NetDevOps may overlap and how that occurs? Oh, yes, I can. This is an excellent question, and you're right that there is a, a definitely a big interaction and i'm having those discussions multiple times a week actually uh, in my in my job some examples in the case of autonomous vehicles we need to ingest data that's coming from the car so it's not natively in the cloud right or it's not like natively coming from a, a client on a phone directly to the cloud it comes from a physical car and so we, what we do is that we need to, to take, uh, I mean, we have multiple options, but one of the options when we do data collection uh, at, at a certain scale is to actually go and pick up disks in the car, right? <laughs> and plug them into a machine in a data center uh, such that this machine can actually yeah, absorb the information and then copy it back to the cloud. Just this is already complex because we need to make sure that we have uh, very stable networking high bandwidth, right? All of that stuff and, and monitoring accordingly because if suddenly we have issues, then this breaks the entire MLOps pipeline. Suddenly that means we cannot collect data. That means the drives stop, right? And so on and so forth. Of course, we can also uh, uh, send data over, over Wi-Fi, right? Over the internet uh, when we scale to a consumer fleet. But this is one example where it starts, right? Uh, and then of course, there are other examples throughout the entire life of the pipeline where we intersect with physical infrastructure. I can give an example. In a previous iteration of the cluster that AV developers were using, they were relying on uh, some, some version of a network file system. And that, that version was relatively limited in terms of uh, uh, bandwidth to the, to the compute. And that was a big issue because we suddenly had a, a bunch of AV developers trying to train models 
and process data at the same time, and that was very demanding. And so, and so we realized that we had to build another system, and and we designed that system to support this very very large bandwidth access to data from the cloud. And so recently, I learned that we, on a particular day, we achieved something like two terabits per second of uh, of throughput between the the object storage, which is the new system, right, that we picked, and the actual uh, and the actual compute. And this is like an order of magnitude more than what we were able to do before. But what it enables is the ability to run very large scale data processing at the same time as, you know, very large scale uh, job machine learning training jobs, right? Um, which unlocks productivity massively, right? And better data quality and so on and so forth. And so to do that, it's impossible without proper operations of infrastructure, without large scale infrastructure and so on and so forth. I have many examples like that. Maybe I'm gonna mm -hmm. I'm gonna stop a second, right, to give an opportunity to, for yeah, interaction. Very, very interesting. So you uh, mentioned that monitoring, right, monitoring of the pipeline, and I am curious to know when do you blame the infrastructure? I'm guessing some of these monitoring metrics actually give you an indication of, you know, your network is probably bad, or you need some auto scaling to include more GPUs and so on, right? So what are these monitoring parameters? For example, uh, to give a parallel in NetDevOps, our network monitoring tools actually check for bandwidth. They, we do check for ECMP distribution, how is traffic flowing between the different paths in the network and so on. So I'm just curious to know how, what are the monitoring parameters uh, in an MLOps pipeline that can indicate maybe a infrastructure problem? This is an excellent question um, and something we are trying to advance in the current organization and, and team that we have, which is how do we seamlessly provide both the low-level infrastructure information and the high-level data operation information? And so if you go at the very top, data operations monitoring means something like, here is how many frames I labeled in the last week, for example. Or, yeah, how many hours of data did I ingest through my pipeline, right? Something like that. Uh, so this is very high level, give you information about the data. But of course, it doesn't give you any information about like the lower level and whether if there's an issue, why is it the case? And so what we ended up doing is actually providing reports and monitoring that combine both in the same dashboard, right? Which is in itself a challenge because many, many of those systems, like the low level infrastructure systems that enable that kind of monitoring are not compatible. They are not, they are not the same kind of like data lake, right? Or data yeah. platform, or observability performance, and so forth. And so we put effort into that in order to actually address that, that, that problem and be able to understand the health of the system really well, which in turn makes it much, much easier and faster for us to, to debug and improve, right? And so this is the key to me is that we know there are going to be issues. Like this is, this is the only thing we know for sure there are going to be problems. So the only thing we can do is to make sure that we fix those problems as quickly as possible and improve them. And we try to do uh, the first step in doing that is unifying that, that monitoring. So what are the biggest challenging problems today being solved in the MLOps community? Thank you, Rupa. Yeah, this is, this is an excellent question. Um, of course, I don't have a perfect view of the entire industry, but I can tell you what, what I think I know. And so MLOps is, has been, well, 
coming up maybe in the last few years in the in the industry and has now made like you know large strides in the regular Fortune 500 companies. And I think everybody is trying to understand what how to apply machine learning and MLops sounds like this magic formula to to do it right. So the problem with that is is that it's like DevOps. Changing culture, right? Changing practices is actually takes a very long time. So the biggest challenges for this organization that I think uh, I've seen is how to shape the organization to satisfy MLOps. Who can actually understand what it means, you know, in this organization and say, hey, yeah. those teams have to work together. This is their new mission. And and to me, this is this is mostly about the people. Everything we do is about the the people and and the dynamics that people follow is going to influence the success of those uh, of those uh, projects. So this is a really big challenge, which is more about people challenge. Another challenge that I've noticed, I would say, is the lack of um, the lack of standards. I would say, I think there's a, there's a lack of what is the right data platform, what is the right compute platform, what is the right labeling platform, and so on and so forth. Uh, what is the right data set development platform? And there have been a lot of things that have popped up over time. But if we look at the industry today, the companies that are the most advanced, and I'm going to throw out some names out there, so I hope nobody gets offended, but uh, companies like Google, right, Facebook, Twitter, have done that for a very long time because this is their bread and butter. But even those companies uh, have developed their own internal standards. So it kind of reminds me, two decades ago, three decades ago, even four decades ago, the first initial, let's say, code versioning systems, you know, and everybody, every company, every large company had their own code versioning systems because there was nothing out there. And then one day, uh, Linus Torvald came up with Git, right, uh, in 2005 or something. And then Git took over and became the standard. And I think we have we have similar examples in the DevOps community with build system, for example, that have become open source and, and very generic and used by everybody. Like, Bazel, for example. Another example would be IDE, like everything Visual Studio had to write code. So all these things have like taken a long time to actually become mainstream, right, and provide the standard. And I think we don't have those standards today. You can draw a lot of parallels between NetDevOps and DevOps around this at various stages. Yeah, I, I love that you bring up standards as being a uh, a, a big choke point here because I think we saw that a lot in Net DevOps about five years ago, and I think things are slowly starting to standardize a little bit more. Um, I, I I love asking our uh, you know our guests here uh, a, a little bit of a forecasting question. So you're, you're knee deep right now in ML ops. You probably are thinking about it and working on it every single day. Where do you see ML ops going in the next five years? Yeah, thank you for the question. I, I've, I've always had some opinions about that, but, and so I'm glad I can finally speak to them. <laughs> Basically, I think uh, I, I think that machine learning is going to become a really like integral part of uh, the development process of many many companies. So that means that I, I expect, um, for example, the other day I saw a paper from a Fortune 500 company that wasn't doing any kind of machine learning like five or ten years ago. And suddenly they were publishing a paper. And so I think it's going to become the norm. I think software engineers, most software engineers are going to start understanding machine learning, right? So that's going to take a while, five, 10 years, 20 years, I don't know. It's going to be, become part of the job. Like DevOps became part of the job. 
um, a while ago. So that's the first uh, thing that I expect to happen. It's not going to be 100% of engineers, but it's going to be much more integral to the development process. And so while this happened, I, I, I expect that there are going to be a lot more, um, there's going to be, yeah, like a reshaping of the, of the, of the tooling and the platforms, basically. Today, we have lots of startups that are developing tools, but if we look at it, frankly, they, they, they have a hard time. They have a hard time because they have trouble, basically, if they came up to, if they came to Fortune 500 companies or large companies saying, Hey, you know, I need to reshape your entire data platform, your entire compute platform, your entire labeling platform all at once. They probably would be welcome with a big no, right? <laughs> and so, so, so as a result, what they do is that they focus on slices of the pipeline. But the problem is that MLOps is end to end uh, by nature. So it has to be done end to end. And so only focusing on bits uh, and pieces of it. Um, is, is, is really, really harm to actually deliver results, right? So the startups actually struggle. But I hope that this is going to change. And I think in the five to 10 years, we could see the emergence of like end-to-end platforms, right? Whether it's startups or whether it's uh, maybe via cloud service providers, right? Uh, probably via NVIDIA as well, you know? I really hope uh, that we can, we, can, we can achieve that. Uh, where we're going to look more and more at those systems end to end, and some of these uh, legacy systems have gonna, are going to have to be replaced in order to accommodate MLOs pipelines, right? When I say legacy systems, I mean like you know old school IT systems or uh, old school data lakes, right, and so on and so forth. And I think I think this is this is what's going to happen in the in the future. Yep, and we should be ready for it. <laughs> I think this this podcast has been really uh, educated me and Rama. Quite a bit. Yeah, Nico, thank you so much. You know, when you first started off just framing what MLOps is as a cultural phenomenon and then transitioned to its uh, dependencies and its interaction with the uh, infrastructure and networking infrastructure, as well as the net DevOps workflow, and then kind of summarizing what the next challenge is and where we're going to see MLOps go in the next future. It just, it brings so much into the scope of um, the IT workflows and how a lot of these uh, technologies are blending together, right? But and using similar tech, uh, technological mindsets, but solving completely individualistic problems to that um, silo. And I just think it's so interesting that we feel like we're all just cousins in this uh, overall uh, kind of uh, environment here. So, uh, Nico, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this call. And thank you for listening to Kernel of Truth. Hopefully, you enjoyed our session here. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, so you're notified when the next episode is posted.